Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Again, welcome to Inspire Church. Didn't Cherith? Uh, you may not know this. Cherith is a volunteer staff member here at Inspire, and she helps with our our student ministry. And uh, she does a good job coming up here. And I love how honest she is. Like uh, here at Inspire, we don't do a whole lot of pretending very well. Like we don't pretend well at all. Uh, and so we're just the same people. And so I love how she gets up here and just shares the information with you. And Brad and his wife Lisa are actually in Florida. We are all angry at them. Uh, no, we're glad for them, but they are getting away for the, the week and excited that they get a chance to be there and enjoy some sunshine. And uh, so uh, anyways, you get stuck with me this morning and next week. You get two weeks in a row. Usually we alternate. And so uh, hold your breath, people. It's about to be a good time. So uh, anyway, we are in an, a series called Chasing Carrots. Pastor Brad kicked it off last week. And what we've been talking about or what we're going to be talking about <clears throat> is this idea that there, there are some things that are really good to pursue. There's other things that can, really, they can consume us to the degree, degree where they're leading us someplace we don't intend to go. And sometimes you might even find yourself arriving at and you didn't even realize, oh man, this isn't what I was after to begin with. And there are things that are like the, the hamster on the wheel, the carrot hanging out there. They, you pursue it and you chase it and you go after it and it just feels like even when you get there, it's not as satisfying <clears throat> as what you hoped it would be. It's not, it, didn't, it didn't deliver like you thought it might. And when you find yourself maybe attaining that goal or reaching that, that place, you're like, oh, something's still missing. I feel like I'm still missing part of it. And to be clear, we're not talking about ambition and being bad. Ambition's fine. There's nothing wrong with having goals. Actually, you should set goals. There's nothing wrong with having things that you're shooting for and you want to achieve. And and that's how we move forward in life. That's how we develop. That's how we grow. That's how we lose weight. That's how we do all sorts of stuff, right? Is we set goals. So there's nothing wrong with ambition, but ambition directed in in a proper way or things held in the, the proper perspective is really important for us to take into account. Uh, Last week, uh, Brad talked about how sometimes we can get caught up in wanting to be famous, or we want to be noticed, we want to be have notoriety, we want people to see us and think that we're successful, uh, and how there's lots of us who, uh, none of us in the room, of course, these are other people. You know, you think of things, you go through experiences all for how will this post on Instagram, how will this look on Facebook, how, what angle should I uh, experience this from so that I get the perfect picture, uh, and we are all guilty of it to some degree, but we can find ourselves getting wrapped up in chasing this carrot of fame. Another carrot that's actually out there, and this one, I, I'm going to be honest with you, this one I think could get me in some trouble because I'm going to talk about something, and you're going to think, okay, this is pretty surface level, but when you dig into it a little bit, and if you're honest with yourself, it might even make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, and this is the carrot of power, like power is something that can, can get a hold of us. When we experience a little bit of power, anybody ever had somebody you run into and they get a little bit of power and suddenly it runs to their head and they're out of control? You're like, oh man, we should have never asked my sister-in-law to organize Thanksgiving. <laughs> can I get an amen, you know? 
Or that, that poor gal in the work office that you guys love, she was so great, and all of a sudden you, get, you got a little bit of power, and you're like, oh, gracious, I don't want to be around her now. You know, power can destroy us. It can consume us, and if it's not held in check or not put in the proper perspective, it can create a monster that you never, ever wanted to become, but you migrated into it. Now, to be clear, there's nothing wrong with power. Our world, uh, I believe that we all have been gifted various elements of power. Uh, We all have layers of power. You have power. If nothing else, you have power over yourself. Like you have a little bit of control in your life and you have influence that you've been given. And today we're going to talk about what do you do with the power that you have? Now, to be clear, and I understand in a church like ours, uh, if you're newer today, we have two pastors here at this church. We have me, Matt, I'm the tall one, and I'm the sports pastor, so I like sports. We have another pastor who's a little bit, I think he's short, but I've heard he's average size. Uh, His name's Brad. He is into superheroes, and so when I talk about power, some of you in here might get confused. We're not talking about superpowers. We're not talking about that, uh, you know, like being able to do, you know, miraculous things that would be powerful. Hey, this is something that happened this last week, and this is uh, not in my notes. I've learned that's one of the things I say. It's not in my notes. This is for free. Uh, My uh, kids this last week, uh, they blessed me this week with a day out of school, the Westfield schools. Anybody in here wants to just sigh with me? So I decided I'm going to stay home and work, and my son uh, got a gift recently that was a Batman uh, Lego set. And so he's working on this and they're at the age where they, they need some help, but I'm trying to work. And so they're working on the desk behind me and I'm sitting at home and, and they're kind of working away on this stuff. And I heard my son say something that was just brilliant that I want to share with you. Uh, they're putting together Batman and they get him all put together and he's got his little Batmobile, uh, Batman motorcycle thing going on. And he's playing with it while his sister's putting the next ones together. And He's imagining, and I don't think he knows that I'm listening to him. He's imagining that he's Batman, and he pulls up to the imaginary little secret fort of Batman, which is called the Batcave, I guess, right? Did I do good? Yeah. Uh, so he pulls up to the Batcave in his head, and they ask for the password, and Batman promptly responds with the password, and his password, guess what, what it was? Superman sucks. <laughs> oh, my six-year-old, he's brilliant. What's your password, Batman. Superman sucks. (laughs) Uh, We're not talking about those powers, okay? We're talking about a different sort of power. We're talking about influence. And I want to point out to you, and we're going to start with an example that we see in Scripture, because there was a moment where Jesus realizes that he has power. Now, when I talk about Jesus in power, we got to be careful because you'll think, oh yeah, well, Jesus, he's the one that walked on the waters, right? He told the storms to stop. You know, he calmed the seas. He's the one that turns the, the you know, the bread into feeding 5,000 people. And he did some miraculous things. Uh, but Jesus is sitting with his, his guys it's towards the end of his life. And we find this in John chapter 13, where Jesus has got the, they're preparing for the Passover meal, their last meal together, and Jesus has this realization, and in John 13, verse 3, says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. It's like Jesus, he realizes, and he, I think he knew throughout his life, it's not like all of a sudden he had this realization, but he was reminded in this moment 
with his people. They're there, and he's, he realizes he's about to return to the Father. He knows what's ahead of him. He knows there's a cross waiting for him. He knows all the stuff that's going to be happening in the coming hours. He's prepared for that stuff, and as he's preparing for that, he begins to, uh, it's like he starts to think about the things that really matter. Like, I like to think, uh, hopefully someday, uh, depending on how we leave this world, you have that moment when you, if, you have, or if you're gifted with the opportunity to know that your life is ending, that you can say the things that matter to the people you love. Like I remember being around my grandfather who we knew the end of his life was coming and I remember some of the conversations we had with him. In that moment, you're not talking about the things that don't matter, right? You're not like, hey, what are we gonna do for dinner next Thursday? No, we don't care about that. Like the things that you say in those moments really deeply matter. And Jesus knows that this is, these are moments that are going to, these are the moments that are going to last. They're going to be the things that stick in people's minds. And if I'm going to communicate something to them, it's like he remembers he has power that's been given to him from God. He knows he's about to return to the father. And in that moment, he thinks to himself, I, I need to make sure that I leverage this. I want to make sure that I use the power that has been given to me to make sure I communicate something. This is how I think Jesus thinks, right? And so uh, he begins to start to, to talk to them about this power. Now, I want to, for a second, I want to just talk about what power is. And the, the dictionary says that it, power is the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Now, for some of us, we think, okay, well, I, okay, I might have some influence with others. I can talk to people and I can share, you know, I might have a little bit of power of influence with other people, but I can't, just, I can't really d direct events because if I could, I wouldn't be in the job that I'm in. Or if I could really direct events, things would work out differently for me, right? Like if you could, like, if you could control events and you had the power to be able to control everything with the events of life and all that stuff, you would probably direct it towards yourself. Like my life would look differently, but my life would paint out differently. Things would be different than they are currently for me. Another thing is they say it's, it's a person or an organization that is strong or influential within a particular context. Like this is what power is. Jesus realizes that he has been given all power, not just to do miracles, but he's been given a power that, that he can influence. He can make a lasting difference in these people's lives and he can direct them. Now, the things that Jesus is working toward with his power is, uh, well, let's just continue on in the verses. And I will just tell you, Scott, I got my slides out of order, so we're gonna skip that one there. So in John chapter 13, verse four, Jesus is, it continues on and says, so he got up from the meal, he being Jesus. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist, realizing he has all the power. I have all the power in the world. It's all been given to me by God. He gets up. Now, lots of times when you think about the people who are powerful, they're the ones that sit and everybody serve them, right? They're the ones that control the events in their favor and everybody else moves and works around their schedule. They're the ones that make sure that they're taken care of. They're the ones that are served. But Jesus gets up and he does something for these other people. And then he takes this towel and he wraps it around his 
waste, which is a symbol. This was something the disciples would have seen. They would have been familiar with this idea. In homes, there was usually a servant, if you were wealthy enough to have servants, there would be a servant who would take care of the people who had all the power. When they would come in, the servant would then wash their feet in the way that would, they would be kind of identified as there was a basin and there would be water and then they'd have the towel. And like this was something these disciples had seen before. This is something that they were familiar with. And so when Jesus gets up, takes off like his outer garment, puts on this towel, his disciples are like, whoa, what's going on? Then he proceeds over in verse five. It says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Like this is a different display of power. Like Jesus has influence, he has power, he's the rabbi in the room, he's the one that everybody knows is the leader, he's the one that's got the mass following, his Facebook's got like tons of friends, and his Instagram's got millions of followers. Like this dude is the important dude in the room, he's the one who gets up. He didn't tell like, hey uh, Peter, get up, go get the water, and I realize our feet need washed, you missed an opportunity to serve. No. He gets up and goes and serves. Like this is power displayed by Jesus. Like, do you realize like the, the John is like showing us something here. John is saying like when Jesus realizes that all power has been given to him, he uses it differently. When Jesus realizes that the, the power is in his hands, he leverages his influence for others. And he's showing his people, his followers, the ones who are trying to learn how to be like him, how, what do you do with all the power? What do you do when you're in the room and you realize you're the most powerful person in the room? Or what do you do when you realize you have power? How do you carry it? How do you steward it? How do you live? How do you lead? How do you influence? You see, in our world, there's kind of two ways that power can be handled, and there's the way of Jesus, and then there's also like this other way, like tyranny. Have you ever heard that word? Like tyranny is like where you have a tyrant. One person has all the power, and it kind of favors that one person, right? Right? Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, I, I've, I've gotten into the, the, the revolt of Scotland a little bit. My wife started watching this show, and I do not endorse this show, and I'm embarrassed to admit that I even watched it, uh, but there's a show called Outlander. I'm embarrassed to say that I said that I watched parts of this show because it's a little weird and it's crazy, but uh, Outlander, you learn a lot about the history of Scotland and their revolt. And then uh, it reminded me of this old movie. You guys remember the old movie, Braveheart? It's old. We're old, Brett. We're old. That was a Brett statement. That wasn't BJ. <laughs> uh, no, like the, the movie uh, Braveheart, it's 2020. Was that in the 90s? I don't even remember when that thing came out. 95? He knows the year, people. <laughs> Dear goodness. Hey, you remember the, the movie Braveheart? Now, something that you may, I'm going to point something out, and I'm going to show you the old famous clip. You remember the speech? He says, they may take our lives, they'll never take our... Yeah, you remember it, right? You remember the speech. Something I want to point out to you is when he, before he gives this speech, watch 
what happens with an exchange that he has with some leaders of that army that he just went in and began to give his speech to. He comes riding down the hill. The army, it's like they see all the British people across the way, and they're starting to leave. They're starting to abandon their mission. And he goes up and he talks to their leaders. Pay attention to what the leaders of the army say and how that exchange goes. And then watch how uh, Mel Gibson or William Wallace handles the power he's been given in this moment. Check this out. fashionable fight it's drawn the finest people where is thy salute for presenting yourselves on this battlefield i give you thanks this is our army to join it you give homage i give homage to scotland and if this is your army why does it go we didn't come here to fight for them <laughs> the idea? Did you see how he walks up to these guys and they're like, this is our army. If you're going to come and fight with us, you need to pay homage. And he's like, no, no, 
And if it's your army, why are they running? Like he realizes he has power, he has authority to the degree that's almost mythical. Now he's seven foot tall. Yeah, I've heard, you know, he's like a mythical creature. He has so much influence, so much power. Uh, and he realizes that these people are a fractured group. They're all about themselves. Even the leaders are about themselves. And he recognizes that he wants to use his power for something greater than just himself. He doesn't want to just become some massive leader. He wants to unify these people. I showed the whole clip. We could have stopped, honestly, after the whole freedom. But I wanted you to see all the people suddenly be unified around a mission, around a call. You see, power, when it's put in the right hands, it's good for all people. This is why some people like working for their bosses because their bosses aren't out for just themselves. They're about the good of everybody as much as they possibly can. And one of the things I like to tell people from time to time, if you have a boss that frustrates you sometimes, uh, there is a good chance that your boss is carrying things that you're not even aware of. There's a good chance your boss has factors and there's things that are contributing, the decisions they're making that you're not privy to. And they're trying you know, even just assuming your best has the, or that your boss has the best in mind will help your attitude. Like, but power placed in the right hands is for all people. It's trying to help the whole group achieve something great. It's about trying to help move the entire mission forward. And sometimes we run into people who have power and privilege, and you realize, man, I was not aware of everything that you were carrying. I wasn't aware of all of the stress that you have. And I, I would say this, that, and this is the part that could be, get me in trouble, but I'll say this. If you sit in this room, you have power and you have privilege that maybe you aren't even aware of. Like you have influence over a culture that maybe you're not even fully aware of. Like if you're, especially if you sit in this room and you are Caucasian, like our world has been designed and, and created with white people running the thing. And like we have power, we have, we have influence over this world that other, other genders, other races, especially if you're a white male. I know sometimes if you're a white male, you find yourself and you might say, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, sometimes if you're a white guy, you may feel like everybody in the room is against you because everybody thinks you're the most powerful person in the room. Got real quiet in here. But the reality is, is there's two ways that we can respond. You can realize that you have power, and you may think, well, I don't feel like I have as much power as I wish I did. Okay, that may be true. You may feel like everybody maybe is out to get you, but you still have influence. You still have the ability to steer and influence the direction or the, the, the way the conversation is going to go. And let me just say this. Like, the way we handle our influence, whether or not you think you have it or you don't, shows your heart and reveals something about your character. And so when you find yourself sitting in a spot where you have influence, whether or not other people will look at you and think, well, he has more influence than I do. He has more power than, you, than I do. And you may think, oh, I wish I had more. But when you find yourself sitting in any room around any table with any power whatsoever, what should you do with the power that you have been given. Because if you chase the care of power and all it is is about achieving power, achieving control, and, and taking over, 
you will receive it and it will be the most miserable experience you've ever had because no one will want to work with you. You'll find that you have so many frustrations with the people that you lead or that you have power over. You'll find that it feels like everybody is always trying to take something from you because you're trying to hold on to all the power you can have. And you'll chase it, you'll chase it, you'll achieve it, you'll get it, and you'll be miserable. There's people in this room who'd probably say amen. They don't want to say it out loud, but they've chased it. They've gotten it. They got to that spot. They got their boss's job. And once they got it, they were miserable because the power alone isn't what you're pursuing. You want something else, not just power. You're chasing it. And once you get it, it has made you feel like you're suffering And here's what I want to say is like, when we are chasing power, let's chase it in such a way that it unites all people towards one mission. You know this in your workplace. If you're a boss in your your organization, you've seen this. If you could just get everybody rowing in the same direction, wouldn't it be fantastic? If you could just get everybody walking in the same direction for just a minute, like, oh man, there's that one guy, get back over here in the group, we're heading this way, you know? Like if you, if you lead, you know what I'm talking about. Like if we could all just go in the same direction, we could do something amazing. That's what it looks like for us to be unified. If you have power, whatever context it's in, you know that unity is the direction, that's the mission, that's the goal that you want to achieve. What if you could use your power in such a way that it would unite rather than divide? What if it got people unified around the mission instead of subservient to a position? You can tweet that. I just made that up. That was really good. Right? Like, what if you could? Like, what if you could get everybody around that mission instead of falling into their positions? Like, you could all do something amazing together. This is why like when someone's, when you find somebody that seems to have less privilege and less power than you do, if you have more power than they do, you should be pulling up a chair to the table and say, let's let them have a moment because look, this is something great. They have a space. They belong here. They're a part of this. Honestly, this is why our, our country is so great because we're so diverse. We have so many seats at the table. There's so many people who are welcome. This is what what we were founded on was on this diversity. And Brad and I have talked about this with you already, but like this year in our country will be one of the most divisive years we've experienced ever. And I'm not gonna say anything political about it, but what I want to say is this. We are going to have to work specifically towards unity in a way that we've never done before. Because division serves no one except for maybe the powers that have the, the powers that be, the ones who won. But if we can be unified, if we can use the power and influence that we have to draw people in, even when it makes you feel uncomfortable, even when you feel like, oh, no, 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 I feel like I a little bit of power is slipping through my fingers, it's going to someone else, celebrate them and watch how they respond to you. It will unify. It will bring us together. This is why, and I understand, like, uh, this is, oh man, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. Uh, This is why, like, the Super Bowl, I'm not, I don't want to endorse all of the whole Super Bowl halftime show, but like, there was so much conversation this last week about the Super Bowl Sunday stuff. I plan on actually giving this message next week, and because of the Super Bowl thing, I was like, we're moving it up a week. 
Like the Super Bowl thing happened, right? And I'm not gonna, there was probably too much sex stuff happening in it and I'm not trying to endorse the whole thing, but there was a group of people who were a little bit uncomfortable with the diversity that was shared. And there were people who were like, like, hey, this is not how I want this to go. This was about, you know, this is about the sport that I love and this is an American sport and there, these things were happening. This was being said. I listen to sports talk radio. I heard it more than I wish. People call in. Oh, I just wish they wouldn't have had whatever, right? This is the stuff that happens. And all that does is it divides. Instead of allowing a moment where you can just celebrate and say, hey, it was really neat. We got to see people have space at the table for a moment. There was, a, there was room for someone to sit at the table. Are you uncomfortable yet? Because I'm uncomfortable. Like, it makes you feel weird, and sometimes you feel like the power is letting, like, slipping through your fingers, and you're like, oh my goodness, I, is there still room for me at the table? If we let them at the table, can I have room at the table? Is the table even, am I allowed here anymore? But I can promise you that if you are somebody who pulls up the chair, you won't be asked to leave. You're asked to leave when you push the chairs away, and you say, no, no, this is my table. Are you with me? This is why when you have power, you work towards unity. And it requires efforts towards diversity and inclusion and equality. And there's a few things that you do when you want to you try to include people. You want to try to increase the diversity. You start by listening. You Listen to people who aren't like you, who don't experience the world like you do. You'll learn something from them. That's the next thing. You start to learn. Listen and learn. You'll realize that maybe the things that you thought the reasons why they were doing things, oh man, maybe there's more to it than you ever dreamed of. And ultimately, we want to love. We want to look for opportunities that draw lines that connect, not divide. We talk about this all the time here at our church, but like, you may not be aware of this, but like, even your pastors don't agree on everything. I'm not going to out Brad on his beliefs, and just like he's not going to out me on my beliefs, but like, we disagree even politically. I'll tell you, we voted for different candidates. Like, we are so different, not just in the funny things like sports and comic books. We're different. We're different people. He's probably better looking. Like, there's all sorts of things that make us different, right? Like, there's a, a ton of things, but one thing that we choose is that we want to work towards unity, not division. We think that if we can find a way to be unified and we can find a way to bring our people to the table and sit with people who aren't like us, the power that God has given us in this community would be leveraged for something that's good, that's greater. That's why you choose to sit in these seats. That's why we are together, because we want to love each other. We want to listen to each other. We're going to learn from each other, and we're going to love each other really well. And, and then there's those moments when you feel a little bit of power slipping through your fingers, when you feel like, oh, no, there's a difference between me and them, and you wonder if, if I don't act the right way, will I lose power, and they'll take power? You're going to find a, a, a moment when you're going to want to defend your actions, your thoughts, and your beliefs. And I just want to say this. 
I know we were taught that we were supposed to grow up and defend our faith. I know we were taught that we were supposed to defend uh, our beliefs and our ideas, and there's nothing wrong with that idea, I guess. But I'll say this, that defending something is something that people do when they're drawing lines, preparing for a battle. That's when we begin to defend. Now, what I would invite you to do with me is to lift, listen, learn, and love. And I'm not saying you have to change your thoughts and your beliefs, but perhaps you can invite, instead of defend, you can invite others to see and understand your perspective. You can invite them to experience the way or, or understand the way you think. They may not change. If you're trying to get somebody to change their mind, that's about winning. And whenever it comes down to power and you're trying to defend yourself, uh, you, it becomes about winning and losing and there's a winner and there's a loser and that doesn't help anybody because that divides. And I'll say this, uh, I think, and this is a white male talking, so maybe I'm out of touch, but I'll say this, that sometimes when you're a white male, you realize you do have power, you do have influence, and you do have a little bit of an opportunity to serve your neighbor, your friend, the person who's of a different gender or ethnicity from you. And sometimes it may feel like you were told just to sit and be quiet because anything that you might say isn't gonna be helpful to the conversation. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody brave enough to say amen, <laughs> right? Like you may, I don't know if I can say anything. And I understand that that makes you feel like you're disarmed, you're disempowered. And what I would say is this, if you want to contribute to the good, you want to contribute to uh, something that's good for all people, not just for some people, don't be silent. Be willing to have those conversations. Speak up. Try to express your experience because Hopefully there's somebody on the other side of the table who will listen and who will learn. And maybe they'll even love you. You know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about silence and he says that uh, more and more I feel that the people uh, of ill will have used their time much more effectively than the people of goodwill. We will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of bad people, but for the appalling silence of good people. When you realize you have power, well, you should want to leverage that to create room. And it's not, when you create room around the table, you're not giving up any sort of power necessarily. You're just creating space for more people to be united with you. Your table didn't get smaller. If we're doing it right, it gets bigger. We have more friends and family. You see, uh, well, the scripture instructs us over and over about talk, to taking care about the, the um, elderly and the foreigner among us and the children. You know, when, when people of faith go silent in the, what I would call the values that I would say are Christian values, when those become uh, pushed to the side, when those are the ones that, those are the people that begin to get silent, the ones who suffer the most are the poor, the orphans, and the widows, and the foreigners. 
Because we're called to create space. We're called to love. We're called to provide for. And we are on a mission, pushing the mission of Jesus forward, a mission of unity, a mission of love, a diverse nation of people. And when I say nation, I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking about the nation, the kingdom of God. This is what we use our power for. You see, if you want to, this helped me, and I want to just put this out there for you. Maybe you'll find this helpful. But see, diversity is being invited to the party. We want to be a diverse church. We want to invite everyone to come and find that they belong here. You belong here. We don't say uh, they belong without including you. You belong here. This is your space. This is your family. This is your group. And they belong here too. Someone in this room has a different political opinion than you. I promise you, it happens. They're here. And they belong here. And so do you. So you've heard of diversity. Then there's also inclusion. Inclusion is being invited to dance. You know, like, they're not just at the party, but they get to dance on the dance floor alongside. Like, they get to participate in that. And then check this out. Equality is what I think we're all after. And this being on the party planning committee. Like, this is what we're about. Like, we're not out for just, like, diversity or inclusion. Like, we want equality. We want equality for white men and women, people of race, of color. We want everybody to feel a sense that they are equally a part of this church, this nation, our community. You see, if our efforts are all about our power, then we don't want to share because power is about winning and staying on top. But when our efforts shift and become about unity, then we want to share any power that we may have because it benefits everyone. And I'll end with this. If you find that you have power and you've tried to leverage it for someone else or you've tried to leverage your voice or your influence to make a positive difference for somebody else and you felt like you weren't received well, you felt like you were ignored or discredited or maybe even disempowered, that doesn't mean stop. Keep trying, keep building bridges, keep trying to pull up more tables around the chair, or maybe get up from your table altogether and go to a whole other table and sit and listen and learn and love. Because I believe that if we keep trying, if you keep trying, at some point in time, if you will leverage every ounce of power and influence that you have for others, people will begin to trust you. It will build relationships. And they'll trust your, their, your intentions. They'll see how you used the power you had here and maybe they'll give you a voice around a table you never thought you would have because you built a relationship and they trusted you. I dream that we are a group of people who are using every ounce of power every ounce of influence to create more space, to create more unity. And perhaps as we do that, we'll see our communities transformed because the power placed 
in the right hands is good for all. Let me say a word of prayer for us. Lord, we thank you for the space, the place, the position that you've given us within our families, our neighborhoods, our communities, our cities, our workplaces. And Lord, we want to be used by you. Lord, we, some of us have, have been chasing the carrot of power, trying to figure out how to get more power. And maybe we've been chasing it and forgetting why the power even matters to begin with. So Lord, for us today, may we use every ounce of influence to bring about unity for your people. And Lord, may we love so well. May we be so united that it is not lost on this world and that perhaps you would use our lives, our church, our mission to continue to change and transform this world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.